0: Today's program has been brought to you by the International Culinary Center, offering courses that range from classic French techniques in culinary, pastry, and bread baking to Italian studies to management, from culinary technology to food writing, from cake making to wine tasting. For more information, visit internationalculinarycenter.com. I'm Greg Blaze, host of Cutting the
1: Curd. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
0: Hey, and welcome to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Carmen DeVito. And I'm Alice Marcus-Krieg. And we are the ladies of Groundworks, Inc. We design and build gardens in and around New York City. And this show aims to bring some culture to horticulture.
2: Absolutely. So May t- I say,
0: ciao? Ciao. <laughs> ciao, bella. come está? <laughs> anyway, today's cultural component is Italian, of course, because October is Ital- Italian Heritage Month, and this uh, this week's show features Italian-Americans and the Italian garden traditions that have sustained so many families across so many generations. So we have two great guests today. Um, in the first part of the show, we have Carlo Shisuda, who is the president of the Brooklyn Chamber of Commerce. He's going to tell us about some exciting events happening right here in New York City this month. And in the second half of the show, we have Maria Minniti, who is the founder and director of the Italian Garden Project. But before we get ahead of ourselves, we have to do our horticultural honor roll. (laughs) Alice is making the sound (laughs) effects today. (laughs) Okay, so we usually have um, botanists and horticulturists and different kinds of plant people. But today, we decided to honor two women who have been hugely influential to my gardening life and, and to my life in general. Maria Carmela Bellofatto and Rosina Kona. Say it again. Maria Carmela Bellofatto and Rosina (laughs) Kona. (laughs) Um, These two ladies are my grandmothers. Both of them are gone now, unfortunately, but they still inspire me all the time. They were both amazing gardeners and cooks, as well as incredibly generous people. They were both quintessential Italian grandmothers. Um, my, My maternal grandmother, Maria... Raised me for a while in Italy as a young child, and I have such amazing memories of returning to her farm after after moving to New York City and watching her work in her garden and in her kitchen. Now, that little lady who was like under five feet in, in her stocking feet even saved me from being bitten by one of her giant hogs one time. It was probably topped 400 pounds that's a memory i will never forget <laughs> <laughs> I, that's one that i never hope oh, I have oh, in my arsenal. don't ever want to go there <laughs> um, so and the memories of her i have are not just visual but also olfactory the smell of her pantry under the stairs was filled with the smell of cured sopressata and homemade olive oil and it's so real that i can make myself recall it at will it's just an amazing it's just an amazing memory And Rosina, my maternal grandmother, she was a very different kind of person. She had the carriage and demeanor of a field general. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But she would literally give you the shirt off her back if you asked her. She was immensely proud of her garden and her home. And I remember on one visit... I was sort of being indecisive about what to eat because that's the first thing they ask you when you get off the plane, as if you've come from like a war-torn country and you're starving. <laughs> I was like, I, I don't know what I want to eat, Grandma. I'm just not sure. She she appeared in the kitchen with a freshly butchered chicken. And rabbit. So I had a choice of which I wanted to eat, you know. And then even after moving to the States, uh, she lived with us for a while. She defiantly refused to adapt to modern conveniences. And she still washed all of her laundry by hand as she'd done in the fountain house that was like right across the street from her house. So both of these women's, their industriousness, their generosity, and and their loyalty to family inspire me all the time. So thank you, Nonna's. Um, (laughs) And we're going to post, I'm going to post some pictures of these grandmas and a couple of their recipes from our family recipe book um, on our Facebook page. Um, later this week, so so follow us to learn more. But also, let's also give a shout-out to the lunch
2: that we Oh, yes, had. we
0: have to talk about... This as is, we were heading over to Williamsburg yes. to do the show... We went to this amazing place run by Mario Pesce from Torre del Greco. Um, he's opened up a new place on 8th Street called La Panineria, amazing Italian panini. So, and, and what Carmen said to me as we,
2: you know, <laughs> sidled up to the bar to order our sandwiches... She said, this is what you get on the
0: side of the highway. In, in Italy. In Italy. <laughs> yes, And it was delicious. Yeah. And the right size. It wasn't like a monstrous, yeah. monstrous. Snack. Well, we have another great Italian. It's all about Italian food yes. and gardening today. Well, today, our first guest, um, as I said, is Carlo Chisura. Carlo is not only the president of the Brooklyn Chamber of Commerce since 2012, but he's also an active board member of the Federation of Italian American Organizations, or FAIO for short. Carlo is a lifelong resident of Brooklyn and also served as the chief of staff for one of Brooklyn's most beloved leaders, former borough president, Marty Markowitz, who was on our show a couple of years ago. He was great. (laughs) He's great to have on the show. And um, Alice and I have been invited tomorrow night to the preview uh, of the opening of the Italian Cultural Center called Il Centro, which is the first of its kind in the US. And so we've invited Carlo here to tell us a little bit more about it. Carlo, welcome to the show.
1: Buonasera, buonasera. Ciao.
0: <laughs> so, Carlo, tell us a little bit about how, the, how this Centro, how this Italian Cultural Center came to be, and um, a little bit about the programs and events that are going to be hosted there in the future.
1: Sure. So first of all, I should tell you that my parents are immigrants from Sicilia. Yes. So uh, it's a beautiful island. I hope the two of you have been there. And I if have you have not. Haven't, you should, oh, my God. You've never been to Sicily.
0: No, you I haven't. Go. No. We, it's on the bucket list for sure. Okay, good. So
1: anyway, Il Centro uh, will be the first of its kind community, cultural, Italian center in New York City. Um, we have been talking about this at least for 20 years. Um, yeah. The uh, people who were there before me, some of who are still around, Jack Spatola, Nancy Sotile, a bunch of a group, great group of people, um, had been talking about this with uh, a guy who is deceased now, a doctor Antonino Parisi, mm-hmm. uh, who was a community leader uh, and whose dream was to have a center, uh, and he and his estate are donating a million dollars to name name the center after him. Uh, And we've been fundraising for about 12 years. Uh, You mentioned my former boss, Marty Markowitz. He was a big part of this. And uh, the city council, the mayor, uh, the state senate, just a bunch of people. So what will it be? 45,000 square feet um, in the heart of Bensonhurst and Bath Beach. Um, There will be a great open room with Italian exhibits. Uh, there will be a library of Italian culture. There will be an interactive uh, information on Italian immigrants and Italy and their contributions to New York City. There will be a uh, gymnasium so ah. we could have soccer uh, where we could teach the kids about Italian soccer. We will have Italian cultural classes. We will have Italian language classes. So that's I'm great. not sure how fluent you ladies are, but if you're not, you can come there and we'll learn Italian together.
0: Oh,
2: that's uh, great. Although
1: I speak it, so it's fun. Yeah, Carmen uh, speaks
0: it, too. I speak it, and I like to speak the dialect, too, especially ah, especially with my family. Then which, the-
1: which region's dialect?
0: Uh, well, we're from Campania in Irpinia. Ah,
1: si, molto bello.
0: Si. Molto bello. So, it's, I. Anyway, it's uh, exciting. don't get me
1: started in Italian, and then I won't speak English anymore. I
0: know. We can have this whole conversation in Italian. Exactly.
1: exactly. Um, and then, of course, we're going to have um, a kitchen where we will have course. Italian cooking classes, and we're going to get some great Italian immigrants from the community to do how to make meatballs. Oh, how my to make, God. How to make. Pasta if you know what that yes. is in Sicilian, it's pasta with sardines.
0: Oh yes. How to
1: make how to make uh, Italian meatloaf? How to make. Italian pastas. I mean, just everything. I think you need a
0: gardening component, though, Carla. We we
1: definitely need a gardening component. I'm going to tell you why. Because once you get to the rooftop, and by the way, there's also going to be a swimming pool, a fitness center, so after you make uh, meatballs and gnocchi and you eat them, you you can go work out. But on the roof, which is this incredible rooftop with views of Coney Island and the very Bridge and all of Brooklyn and Manhattan etc 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 um we want to have a rooftop garden and that's where you guys will come in and help us plan this which we, will be incredible.
0: We would love to do that. I'm so excited. And when when I heard about the event because um, I've been wa- I live in the neighborhood and I've been watching the process, you know, I've been watching it go up and up and, and be built and it's been, there's built up so much excitement in the community, you know? And the the community is much more diverse now than it was, you know? It's
1: a great, diverse neighborhood. I mean, we will have people of all cultures wanting to know about Italian culture. Right. Uh, We will are... By the way, the important thing to note is that Fiao is a great social service agency. Yes, so yes. So all of our services are free of charge. Yes. Immigration, uh, screed for anything we do. And that's open, of course, to everyone. You don't have to be Italian to come to that.
2: Well, I can't believe New York doesn't already have I that. know. Neither
1: that's, can I. It's we unbelievable. Ought, look, you know what's amazing about Italians... We are still the largest European ancestry group in the five boroughs. Uh We are the largest ethnic group in New York State, Mm -hmm. and we are the third or fourth largest ethnic group by pure numbers in New York City. Right. How do we, our our mayor is Italian, our governor is Italian. Yeah. Um, How do we not have an Italian center? Well, we will now, which is amazing. Good.
0: Good. And okay. so, as we were saying earlier, uh, October is Italian Culture Month, and yep. there are some more in conjunction with this preview tomorrow night. It's also you're also promoting Italian Restaurant Week. Um yes. Tell me about that because I think there's some cannolis involved as well. Oh, there's right? lots. So I'll
1: tell you a couple <laughs> things. So first off, we uh, when I started at the chamber two years ago, obviously as a Sicilian. Um, I had to do something for my culture, <laughs> yes. uh, so I decided, what about Italian Restaurant Week? And we started it as a as a fluke last year, mm-hmm. greatly successful. Uh, this is our second year. We have almost fifty participating restaurants in Brooklyn. Um, you can check them all out on our website, iBrooklyn.com. dot um, So we decided that instead of just announcing it, we would have a kickoff. So right. tomorrow night we'll be doing a kickoff. Of Italian restaurant week. You'll get to taste amazing food and from about 15 different restaurants I'm so excited. Italian special <laughs> It's going to be amazing. Uh, we will have cannolis from Villa Bati Alba, which is the most amazing pasticceria. I think in America, that's just oh, my yes. opinion, yes. but I'm right about it. The best cannolis. <laughs> um,
0: I don't know. I might. I, there's also Rimini, you know, on Bay I Park. I like Rimini,
1: I, but, <laughs> but Villa Bati is, is special. It's classic. No. I like Rimini. Rimini's Villa, good, too. I like Rimini, too, but Bati Bati's amazing. Anyway, so we're going to do this, um, and then we'll do a sneak peek of the Centro. We'll announce Italian Restaurant Week. Um, We'll listen to some music. And then, don't forget, Saturday is the Brooklyn Columbus Day Parade on 18th Avenue, uh, where we'll be marching on the avenue. And for the first time ever, we'll be ending the parade at Il Centro. Um,
0: That's great.
1: It's so exciting. And then we'll be having a Villa Bati cannoli eating contest. Oh.
2: (laughs) So if you're
1: hungry for cannolis, folks, Um, this is your chance.
0: I never get tired of cannolis. Neither
1: do I. I just
0: never do. So when will the Ecentro actually open to the public, do you think?
1: So we're... Realistically, planning a January official opening. I mean, okay. we're going to do a couple of soft openings. Sure, we'll get the kinks out of it. it's a new building, remember? Of course. So, but I think by January, programs and services of the federation and uh, and El Centro will be up and running.
0: So the federation is going to kind of shift to the El Centro. Yeah, so we're
1: going to move all of our operations there. We uh, We still will have after school programs in about a dozen schools. Right. Um. In the area but all all of the uh, the basic operations of the organizations will be out of El Centro.
0: And that makes a huge difference for an institution. Alice and I have worked for nonprofits um, in the past and having a home base, having yeah. a, a permanent home base, we worked for institutions that had it and that didn't. And I think right. it makes a massive difference to to know that you are this is your place, this is always gonna be your place, you can invest in it. Do you know right. what I mean?
1: I agree, bricks and, and mortar. Come to you. Too. Bricks and yeah. mortar are amazing.
0: Right, right, right. Well, Carlo, I'm so excited. I, I'm I'm looking forward to meeting you. Um, yes, tomorrow, tomorrow night. Will night. Be fun. I'm really. I'm so glad that you were able to be on on short notice um, for the show. My,
1: it's my honor. I appreciate you inviting me. I appreciate that you guys are talking about Italian culture because it is truly an incredible culture, and we should all be proud of it.
2: Thank you for all your work. It's going to be really exciting, and congratulations. Yes, congratulations. We'll see you tomorrow Mille, night.
1: Mille grazie. Ciao oh. e buona giornata. No. Ciao. 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 Ciao, 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 ciao.
0: So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to get deeper into the Italian culture, into the Italian garden. So stay tuned to We Dig Plants.
2: Welcome back. You're listening to Heritage Radio (laughs) Network, and this is We Dig Plants. We um, are celebrating uh, Italian Cultural Heritage Month, and we have an amazing um, guest with us. To uh, finish out our show It's a woman named Mary Minetti She's the founder of the Italian Garden Project An an organization Dedicated to documenting And preserving the Italian garden Heritage in America We met her at the Garden Writers Symposium Last month in Pittsburgh And of course we Formed a kinship with her uh, Carmen especially So um, welcome Mary Thanks for joining us Well, thank you for having me. I'm happy to speak with everyone today. So tell us,
3: what is the Italian Garden Project? It's an organization I founded to um, basically shine a light on a lifestyle, an amazing lifestyle that's very relevant for today. Um, Italian-born Americans who emigrated after World War II, uh, folks who are often in their 70s, 80s, and 90s who came here from a lifestyle very closely connected to the earth, Uh um, from an agricultural lifestyle um, where they survived on what they could grow, and they brought their amazing food and gardening traditions here, and uh, they have a lot to teach us.
2: They definitely do, and that's that's what, what struck us about your organization. Tell us... Tell us about some of the work that you do and and how you go about bringing these stories to the public.
3: Well, I basically uh, seek out um, what I consider classic Italian-American vegetable gardens. Um, Like I said, basically gardened by um, post-World War II immigrants that um, grew up with this lifestyle and just live it so naturally and and beautifully here. And I... uh, Basically, uh, go to their homes, uh, and when they, uh, allow me and when they realize that I have a real interest in what they do, Um uh, many of them are so humble and so unaware of how, um, interesting they are and how, how min- how much, how many skills that they have and how much knowledge that they have that other people need to know about. They're sort of, skeptical of why I would want to learn from them and what really do they have to offer. Right. And when I, yeah, they're just so unconscious about um the lifestyle that they lead and uh, just sort of take it for granted, then think that everybody knows, <laughs> you know, how to um, make soap from <laughs> right. oils and exactly. everybody knows when to plant uh, rapini and all these, uh, and how to braid, how, so to, braid
0: onions, right? how yeah, to braid onions, right? Right.
3: Right. Just so naturally and skillfully, just everybody does this, but, <laughs> but, uh, not everybody does. And, and it's really important that we learn from those that, that have this knowledge and, um, and so I, I seek them out in any way I can. I ask, uh, I just by word of mouth, and uh, uh-huh. or I just walk uh, walk the streets. Um, like I one did one summer, one very very hot summer in Brooklyn, and <laughs> just oh. walked around and looking for the backyard that. Really, um, right? You know, it had signs of the classic uh, Italian American garden. You know, the grape arbors and the fig trees and yes. the tomato plants, and and yeah. just uh, knock on doors sometimes and just. Um, and you make ask videos, if, right? Like you film
2: it right, and do little documentary
3: right. things right i i uh, photograph i often work with a professional photographer and i uh... often work with a professional um, videographer or i just film myself and i just ask them to talk about their gardens and show me what they do uh... you know film them braiding garlic or making baskets from willow branches or um... just uh... Uh, planting or, you know, whatever they're doing, um, I want to learn, and videotaping them really is the the best way to do that. And then I have a website that I um, use as sort of a repository for this heritage and um, load the videos and uh, blog about them and, um, and share. That's, you know, how I can share what these folks know with other people. Uh-huh. It's such a lovely
2: lovely sentiment that that mm-hmm. you're doing. You know, you're really mm-hmm. bridging gaps.
0: Yeah, because a lot of times what what I love about the project and like instantly Alice and I were drawn to it is because from one generation to the next so much is lost. I know less than exactly. my parents. Right. Mm-hmm. My son knows less than me about the traditions. And <laughs> and you know, it it's just kind of happens when yeah. in the immigrant sort of Dynamic, You know, uh-huh. the first generation really tries hard to keep up all the traditions and the language. And then, you know, it, it's sort of lost. It's right. lost a little bit. It, it's diluted. And what you're doing is right. you're doing an amazing service to so, you know, to the nation and to so many families. And I just find it so fascinating. And as you, as I was watching a bunch of those videos, mm-hmm. as you said, they, they, the people are so humble. They, they're not looking <laughs> for the spotlight. They're not, they're not making YouTube channels of themselves. You no,
2: know, grating no. garlic.
3: They, and, they barely will allow me to video them. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Well,
2: so, but if they were twenty years old, they'd be doing YouTube videos. Exactly. <laughs> yes, they would. Exactly.
0: Well, I noticed too that there were a lot of couples. Um, right. A lot of them, husband and wife, working together. And there was one. One particular couple that really struck me as just adorable and and also quite remarkable <laughs> people, Tommaso mm-hmm. and Tomasina. Like they have the same first name. <laughs> oh,
3: I know. It's, it's it's so cute. And and we affectionately their nickname is is Machina and Machino. So it's <laughs> instead of Tomasina and Tommaso, it's we call them Machina and Machino. So um, yes, they um, tell they us, have tell us an, about them. They
0: just oh, just they seem have unstoppable. A wonderful
3: yeah, wonderful garden. And they're <laughs> Whole backyard every inch is something is planted and uh, growing in every inch of their backyard, just really a, a small suburban uh, really urban um, backyard um, it's you know you would never think um, that there they could produce so much food on a, such a small lot, but people. Um, are amazed when they see what goes on in that backyard, and they really were the, um, after my grandfather, who was my first inspiration for the project um, at Turn of the Century Immigrant, but uh, Tomasina and Tommaso came uh, in the 70s from Calabria, and um, they, you know, are brought Traditions that that they knew and um, really just are amazing. You know, I would often stop by because uh, um, Machine is a close family friend, and she'd often be in her garden planting or picking, or in her basement kitchen cooking. Which the basement kitchen, yeah. And, yeah, the basement <laughs> kitchen, and these incredible smells would be um, yes. drifting out from the wonderful, you know, zucchini fritters that she was frying from the oh, blossoms yeah. that she had just picked, or you know, the eggplants that she had just stuffed and, and other things. Like, you know, she's the one that taught me to make soap from the fats and oils that she saved when, of course, they made those dried sausages every yeah. year and um, and how to cure olives. And, um, you know, it, it just goes on and on um, with her that really, really inspired me to say, you know, these people are amazing. We have to let other people know about them and other people like them. And, um, and, they were inc- and that's really yeah, the they project are And in,
0: they're, in, they're incredibly industrious. I mean, most of uh, them had full-time jobs. And then they would also make these massive gardens. And anybody who needs gardens <laughs> for, yeah. f- to eat knows how much work that is it's not like an ornamental garden which does require maintenance and care but is mm-hmm. much less labor intensive i know from my well, you but know
2: these are this is depression era right so uh, to spend money on food that you can grow yourself yes, it's, exactly. it's just pragmatism you yeah, know
0: they're super my grandparents
2: frugal. did the same thing and they're from you know they were sharecroppers in tennessee but but i know what you're saying like I remember going with my grandparents to their community garden. They left the farm and they went to Eastern Lansing, um, Michigan, yeah. to work on the car lines. It, yeah, but I would right. go with them to their community garden, and it was filled with Italians and then mm-hmm. my grandparents, like <laughs> from the south, and it was just massive. And it was, mm-hmm. it was probably four times a week they were in the garden weeding, watering, tending. Harvesting. What you did know. they grow,
0: Al? What do they? Like? Oh,
2: they grew everything: corn, collards, corn, you know, lettuce, tomatoes, like you know, everything. squash, zucchini, like you name it. You know, it was the same <laughs> stuff, and it was the same sensibility of like, right. I'm going to do this for myself. I'm not going to pay somebody.
0: I'm not going to pay money. That and taste mattered taste, too. Right, fresh is if the, coming from the south as they did, and knowing what it's like to have fresh produce right like like these italian immigrants they they why should you buy something that sits on a truck that you oh. know is is And there's a level from... of I'm I'm I experienced it with my own family Mary and you tell me if you found this mm-hmm. as well with your um with with, with the, your interviewees and the people that that you uh feature um my grandmother would not eat any meat that she didn't personally grow and butcher
3: you know, really? that's, that's yeah. the, they would she say, I, trust, I would never eat right? a dead chicken, meaning that they wouldn't eat a chicken that was already dead. Yes. From store. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All her life, she only ate. She would never buy something from the butcher. Mm-hmm. She was exactly. extremely uh, aware of, you know, how right. things should be and, and mm-hmm. the freshness right. and everything. So um, I
2: need to tell one little quick story sure. about about Carmen's family. <laughs> um, <laughs> and this this goes right to what you're talking about, Mary. Um, and Carmen, I, I I hope I don't embarrass you too much. I'll, I'll be I'll be gentle. Carmen went with her f- immediate family to Colonial Williamsburg yes. several years ago, right? To yeah. have the kind of American Thanksgiving like you know
0: experience. We right? didn't want to have lasagna for Thanksgiving again, yeah.
2: so. <laughs> So they go to th- they go to w- Colonial Williamsburg and they're walking through all the like little tours and they stop at one of the little the kitchen house the kitchen yes. house <laughs> and the- there's some like interpreter you know who's in dress and talking about the butchering <laughs> Carmen's <laughs> mother slips underneath the rope yeah. and she says you're not doing it right yeah, she, oh my <laughs> and she went on to give a tutorial <laughs> on how to do it and she probably taught the woman
0: a thing or two oh because my mom and my mom has butchered many an animal yeah. and um, oh, I'm sure yeah. and she and people and the and the interpreter kind of stepped aside and was like okay this right. woman talk you know? <laughs> yes really,
3: she- it was probably knew more that's yeah exactly,
0: mm-hmm. so um yeah. you all besides the videos, you also have incredible stories that you 've collected um, mm-hmm. that people have told, and I found that to be really really great because there's so many stories in so many people 's families oral traditions, mm-hmm. and a lot of times right. people don 't write them down right. Um, right and one of them really struck me mary as as just just so touching and incredibly real, um, and mm-hmm. I was wondering if you could give a short synopsis of it. It was called um, A Soldier's Garden by mm-hmm. Sal Crisanti. Can Can you tell mm-hmm. our audience a little bit about about that story?
3: Sure, sure. Yeah, I love that story, too. And I was so um, pleased when Sal sent it in. He was a website reader, and he shared a story about his friend, um, um, Andy um, Stefa- uh, Santa Stefano, um, who was of Uh, His parents were Italian immigrants, so he grew up in an Italian-American family, and um, he shared a story about his experience in World War II when he was an American soldier that was captured and taken prisoner, and... um, He and the other prisoners experienced some very harsh conditions and were becoming malnourished um, until Andy began collecting the dandelions and wild onions and other wild edibles that he found out when they were forced to work out in um, the fields. And Andy remembered his mother foraging for these types of things and making them into salads and broth and um, soups, so he taught the other prisoners to collect them as well, and then hide them in their shirts and sneak them inside, and then they would secretly prepare them and eat them and um, the broth in their canteens. So that's how they survived their imprisonment in World War II. So that really shows how, you know, a knowledge of nature and the environment. We never know when, we're, you know, we're going to need it and when it will come in handy. And, um, and he probably how saved na- lives. Yes. You know? Exactly. Exactly. How would these uh, prisoners have survived, you know, without? Right. And, and what healthy and nutritious things, you know, dandelions, you know, they were eating these really nutritionally packed um, foods and, right. um, and were thriving then and, and survived the war because Of them, so it really makes you look on, um, you know, that kind of knowledge, that really basic knowledge of foraging and and things that are growing wild, um, you know, with a lot more respect and admiration.
0: And he risked his life to do it. I mean, it's not like they were like, "All right, you know, if you find some
2: some greens, it's okay." Yeah, Yeah. no, he
0: was putting himself in danger. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's right so good, that, to survive. And I love that but, story. It was and there's yeah. so many other stories on the site um that are like that, you know, that yeah. are kind of like life changing. So how long have you been with this pro- working on this project Mary?
3: Um well actually I first started giving tours um of these gardens you know after i visited um Thomasina's garden you know i would spend time there i'd said oh you know other people have to see these so in 2009 i was um on the um programming committee for our local nature center and i said well let's try giving um some tours of these gardens as a fundraiser because you know people every time i bring someone in there they're amazed and they want to see these gardens so it started like that i started giving tours um in 2009 2010 uh the tours became wildly popular and uh i began to see that you know there's a lot to um to these gardens and there's so many um there's so much that people want to know about them when they're in them. You know, they would see fig trees, you know, growing in western Pennsylvania and yeah. say how is this possible? Right. You know, and so I started giving classes on fig growing. Um and I uh you know, just just all of the different things that um that people that I saw people responding to and really a sense of nostalgia. People were really people that had grown up in this tradition and whether it was Italian or you know, a a Greek grandmother that gardened or a German grandmother that, you know, made sauerkraut. And they it really brought them that sense of nostalgia for um, that experience of growing up, you know, in those traditions and really looking at their um, ancestors and and that way of life as um, in a different light, sort of as, wow, that's, was so old school that it's now cutting edge right, <laughs> you know, that, exactly. that whole lifestyle right. you know and starting to right. see the relevance of it for you know what we're trying to get back to today so um, you know all these themes started emerging um, so basically 2011 I started doing it uh, almost full-time and then the last um, three summers I've I've done it full-time now it's really a <laughs> passion of mine and and really something I, uh, i the more I do it, the more I want to do it, and the more I see there is to do. The yeah. more documents, the more gardens I find to document, the more I want to um, multiply myself uh, so that I can, you know, get out to all of these gardens before they're, they're, oh, they're uh, no longer there for us. To have access to, right. so I see um, a book. Yeah, and the so I'm thinking of ways to, um, to, uh, you know, train volunteers to help me go out into those, into more gardens and document them, and, and expanding the project in, in lots of different ways. Well, I
2: think you need to have a show, Mary, a TV <laughs> show on the Italian television yes. network. Yeah, that would be well, amazing.
3: Yeah. Well uh, you know, I I've, we've done a, our local PB uh PBS station in Pittsburgh um did a short uh piece and uh, we're we're looking at maybe doing something uh on a regular basis. Good. Because yeah, there's so much to learn and there's so um you know, and people just love hearing um the folks, you know, talk the, the wonderful um accents yeah. <laughs> the, <laughs> the the nostalgia for for that um, yeah. simplicity, that that really humble and yeah, they're very very appealing characters I work with, and uh, oh yes. and people people would really enjoy getting to know them.
0: They're very expansive and generous, as I was describing yes. early with my grandmothers. They were tough as nails, yeah. but, but they literally will you know give you anything. Anything exactly. that they have, you know. Yeah. My parents have a huge garden. I've told you uh-huh. about me. They're they're definitely of that generation of that same right. that same species, you know. And right. whoever visits them, the first thing they want to see is the garden and then they leave with bags of
3: exactly. of produce because right. they exactly.
0: definitely grow more than yeah. you know
3: right. more That's than they could ever the... use. Right. Part of the enjoyment of the garden, I think, for them um, is sharing it, you know, having enough to share, you know, giving figs to people that never ate figs before and, you know, really um, sharing and and being generous is just part of the lifestyle as well.
2: Yeah, the
0: the pass-along idea.
3: Yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: My mother has a Um, saying um, loosely translated into English, you'll never starve at a poor person's house oh you know yeah. <laughs> and and she always said that to me that was a point of pride for her family oh, i love that you yeah. know because no matter how poor my grandmother how no matter they weren't they were never very wealthy but no matter what
3: that's whoever right. showed up at the door was fed uh-huh. exactly you know? exactly so true and i mean sometimes the yeah the most humble homes they had the most glorious food, you know, the most nutritious and simply but deliciously prepared foods, too. I mean, that's that's what I'm finding. You know, it doesn't take a big gourmet kitchen or no. a chef's no. degree sometimes to... No, and to, the,
2: communal, uh, the communal aspect of eating exactly. together is, is the most important thing. Yeah,
0: and you know, Mary, the three things that are always asked when you, you know, when you go visit relatives, yeah. what did you eat? You know <laughs> what 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 are we about You're to right. eat and what, you know, you know, are we going to eat? Yeah. Like you know, exactly. Like just, exactly.
3: Oh, it's it's, just it's all about food, that's yeah. for sure. It's all food first. Um,
0: but, well, we um, you, you touched briefly on the fig, okay? Yeah. And that is like mm-hmm. to me that's a quintessential element of the Italian garden, mm-hmm. the Italian-American garden, because to me that, that represents Italy. That's like the sunshine, the beauty, the sweetness, all exactly. the good aspects of Italian culture and, and, and gardens and fertility, everything. It symbolizes so much. And people want to grow them. And right. you've actually posted some videos about, from some of these gardeners about how to sort of coax along the young shoots and then also how to mm-hmm. protect them
3: right? Because mm-hmm. that's like
0: a big right. thing that people want to know how to do.
3: Well, right, yeah, that's, right. They're so
2: surprised that, like you said, that they even live in this region.
3: Exactly, exactly. I mean, they really uh, by all rights should not survive in a northern climate, you know, this Mediterranean fruit. But they, uh, like you said, they do represent um, the Italian-American experience, really, because they're, um, you know, a, a fruit transplanted from a warm climate, but because they've uh, come with the immigrants that have the knowledge of the earth, and they've figured out how to make them survive um, and adapt and thrive, just like the immigrants themselves, I always say. Yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah, and, and but, yeah, but and they've been grown, you know, it's like I said, when I'm walking around, you know, Brooklyn or, you know, other... Uh, city other um, boroughs in New York I can always spot, you know, where an Italian lives because that fig tree <laughs> was there and it really um marks um you know, a symbol, but it also the Greeks and the Middle Eastern um, immigrants brought the fig shoots with them as well. So it's it's important to a lot of different cultures, uh-huh. and um, but and they've grown. You know, in um, in the Northeast for a long time. Yeah. Um, at first, they when they were first planted, it was really necessary to protect them, and. Um, you know, from the elements, but then we were sort of lulled into complacency in the last several decades, thinking that they could survive, uh, without protection, and, and they often did. But in the last, last winter, yeah, it was yeah. terrible for fig trees. It was just brutal, um, and so many of them died back, and, uh, at least the top growth, but, um, they are resilient trees and they, um, Came back from root growth. The majority, really, almost all of them. That's amazing. And, um, yeah, it is amazing how hardy this tree. Once it's well rooted and when well established, how hardy it can be, and how resilient. And so people are, um, yeah, eager to, to reestablish those trees. But often they grow in bush form. You know, when they uh, are di- die back like that, and most um, yeah. m- small backyards don't have room for all that. Uh, no, they,
0: know, ta- they do take up a lot of space. They're I, ha- wide. I have yeah. to say we have a client They'd... that has a couple that are mm-hmm. probably more than 10 years old at yeah. this point, 10 or 15 right. years old last winter. We, you know, it took a long time for them to, and we protected them. We wrapped oh, them up. You did. Them oh, didn't
3: they survive?
0: And they survived but it was touch at first, like in April and early May, there was no sign of life and i right. was just there last week and and there were figs on ripe figs on the tree not, oh, a, lo- not good, a lot not a lot but mm-hmm. you know yeah i mean you know the atta- right. the fact that they made it through that this particularly brutal winter um is is astounding and and what's amazing about figs too is that they're so easy to grow first of all you only need one tree mm-hmm. unlike exactly. a lot of other fruits that you need multiples you know to to produce fruit and they are mm-hmm. pest and disease free. Yeah, I mean, not, I don't know any Italian or any other person who's grown <laughs> fig trees that does anything but
3: prune them. We don't. Right. Even, we don't
0: even water them once they're established, right. Mary. They literally need nothing. Yeah, you know?
3: they are. They are very hardy. I mean, for being, um, you know, a, a Mediterranean fruit tree, they are very hardy. Um, locally, it's amazing. And once they're established, like you said, it's just. Um, know they aren't you know they, they, aren't, uh, you know, they, they aren't problematic no. and, except they, they grow they like to grow yeah. <laughs> you have to keep them under control often in small backyards or keep them from growing in bush form if you prefer that they grow
0: in a tree, in a, a
3: tree form so you need to dig those shoots you know that, that the uh, suckers that come up but those wonderful because then you can make those into new trees and share them with uh, someone else so there's um, the tree produces. In a lot of ways. So um, it, uh, yeah, it's a great tree to have. And, and I, I don't think, um, uh, you know, as many people grow them as they should. And that's why I give uh, fig, how to basically, what, I'm sorry, my fig growing class is called Everything You Ever Wanted to Know About <laughs> Growing Fig Trees. <laughs> and I uh, held one in Brooklyn. We had a lot of fun. I mean, in the Bronx yes. uh, in September. Yes. We had a lot of fun, and I hope to do some more in um, in the spring for anybody that wants to know.
0: Well, we have to bring you. Uh, about- we have to bring you down to the new center, the Italian yeah. Cultural Center, in the spring. I'm going to i to help yes, make that I- happen, Mary, because I think your 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 work, your videos, all the stories, and also your knowledge, I think, would be an incredible um, asset to put in their collection and to, and to share oh, with people. And I would love for you to share we're, we're fortunately come to the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would love, um, because this is a labor of love and, and this is something that you do, um, a gift that you're giving to, to, to the world, how people can, can support you support the site and contribute and, and help, um, to pay for all these things that you do. Can you tell a little bit about yeah. that?
3: Yeah, well, I have a website, uh, and it would be great if people would um, visit it and see um, for themselves uh, and learn a little bit uh, more about the project. It's www.theitaliangardenproject.com, and where you can sign up to be a subscriber and get on our email list and uh, get email updates. Um, about events and classes that I hold that's primarily the way I support the project right now with um, the classes and the events I have and um, I've had several in the New York City area I've uh, mm-hmm. done cooking classes at Italy um, based on Italian uh, with with literally with food from Italian gardens that the Italian gardeners share with me and and we've cooked and um, prepared in different ways and uh, I like I said, my fig growing classes that mm-hmm. I've done and hope to add more. So, um, also, but, I, I hope to um, soon organize, like I said, a volunteer corps in New York and uh, um, Pittsburgh and a few other metropolitan areas so that we can get people involved in the project like that and we can train them to help, um, you know, grow the project by becoming volunteers that go out and actually use the Smithsonian documentation process to yes. document more gardens. That's I'm so, glad
2: you brought that up because yes. I just wanted you to talk really quickly. We, we have very little time, oh, but sure. one of your gardens is profiled, right, in the Smithsonian, one of your stories.
3: Right, right. Yes. Uh, the, the Garden of Giovanni and Maria Macchioni of Swickley, PA, a suburb of Pittsburgh is now part of the um, Archives of American Gardens in the Smithsonian. It's That's the italian Italian-American garden archive there. So I'm very proud of that. I'm very uh, pleased that that has happened. So we want to get out there and document as many gardens as we can while we still have a chance because I think we'll be very sorry um, once we don't have access to them um, because of, there's so much to learn from them. And also people can contribute,
0: right? On your site, people can make donations to help
3: support your work. Is that right? Yes. Yes, they can. And we're, we're updating the site. We've had some technical um, difficulties, but mm-hmm. we're updating the site. And um, there is a, a way to support the work at this point um, until we get uh, some more products and things available for purchase. It's just uh, sort of uh, a way to help us at the ground level. It would be wonderful to, to get that kind of support on, through the site.
0: Well, I want to tell people, learn from Mary, take one of her classes, support her work, and you too can have the Italian Breakfast of Champions. I'm going to tell you what that is. It is a slice of crusty bread Mm -hmm. spread with a fig split in half. Uh, That's what I would have for breakfast. (laughs) Every time I would visit my grandparents, of course, the figs there were like the size of a small child's head, you know, Um, Uh but... They. This is what you. This is the kind of knowledge that you can do, You can gain and, and create ah. a little bit of beauty. So please visit her website, um, theitaliangardenproject dot com, and help support her amazing work. Mary, thank you for being on the show. We really appreciate oh, it.
3: Thank you. Thank you both for having me. It was a lot of fun. Thank, thank you, me. Mary, for all your work. It's lovely. Thank you. So You're
0: you, welcome. You've been listening to Weedick Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. Um, Today our show was engineered by Liz. Woohoo! Jack Woo-hoo! Inslee is away. Yeah. <laughs> Girl power in the studio. <laughs> um, thank you so much for listening. We're going to put uh, links to the Italian Garden Project on our Facebook page, Groundworks Inc. We dig plants, and I hope you guys get to enjoy a cannoli at the uh, at at the, the cultural center. at the cultural center soon. Thanks for listening. Happy gardening.